Welcome to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And here we are for another week of a podcast episode from the one and only 247 Real Talk. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, this week, I want to talk about a a topic that came across several times in conversations with friends and, and something I've seen online. And that is, as Americans, how much we're living in fear. I know it's not one of those easy topics, and it's one that we shy away from a lot, but we need to face our realities to find solutions. So sit back, relax, get ready to chat or listen, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to 247 Real Talk Podcast again. It's a pleasure to be here with you. As I said before in my intro, we're going to talk a bit about living in fear. I read an article, and if you see me look down a bit, because I have some notes here, um, that said 75% of Americans are living with fear. Many with this feeling, even if it's 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 somewhat subdued or, or some a feeling that they... They hide, but it's a feeling of impending doom. And as I thought about it and as I chatted about it with other friends, I began to realize that so many of us have these concerns. Some of us dismiss them in different ways, rationalize them in different ways. But for many of us, they're very real. And some of the reasons that we have this feeling of impending doom, this this right under the surface, sort of bubbling underneath our existence, are things like they're political, because of the political climate, what's going on in politics, um, what's going on in our society in this day and age that relates to uh, race and prejudice and racism, financial fears, health fears, and environmental fears. And I want to touch on each one of those on this episode and hopefully not give you a solution, obviously because I don't have that, but to start the conversation, something that you need to start having in your circles and we need to have a bigger conversation so we can find a way to create a balance because you know all of these things ultimately have an impact um, that cause not only us to, de- to our demise in, 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 in a way that relates to health. But in many cases, we'll, we know and we've seen, and we'll talk a bit about it, how they result in anger and violence. The anger and violence part comes from us bottling up these feelings so tightly inside that we get to a point where we're ready to explode but we have no outlet to explode until one presents itself, right? I mean, think about it for a second. We deal with a lot of things like road raid in- incidents. Do you honestly think that for most people, for most people, for the most part, and, and, and all of us have dealt with road rage, I don't care what you say, all of us have experienced 
personal road rage. And I mean that in a sense that we ourselves have become angry at others on the road and had, you know, um, foolish thoughts at times, you know, wanting to swerve our car or do something because we got so angry at what someone else did. But do you really think a happy person that has a balance in their life and, 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 and is not struggling with a lot of other things automatically flips that way? That's not the norm. There are people with, with, with issues, uh, mental health issues, et cetera, that, you know, where that would occur. But on the norm, if we're happy and we're balanced and we're living a peaceful life, a content life, a life not in fear, those things are not our immediate response. So I don't want to do this in, I want to be careful in the order I do this in because I want it to have meaning. So let's start with environmental. Not the easiest one, but the one that probably has the least ability to create anger for most of us. I suffer from severe allergies. I, I never suffered from severe allergies like this as I did a child or when I was a child. Approximately a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more, after dealing with bouts of edemas where I, I would all of a sudden be at work and my lips would swell up, I mean this huge, my throat would start to close. Um, and for those of you who are listening to audio podcasts, you can't see me, you know, what I say by this huge, but I think of lips becoming worse than a Botox accident look, all of a sudden, I mean within seconds. Think about swallowing, and, and, and it feels like it's, you, could, you almost can't get saliva down your throat. And this happened enough times that it was fearfully enough that I went to my primary care physician who referred me to an allergist. Now, I went to the allergist, and they did the allergy test where they put these things on your skin, and they sort of give you a little prick with whatever the the the... the Whatever it is that creates the allergy is in that liquid. And what it does is if you're allergic to it, it creates a reaction. It creates like a bump on your hand. So they put these containers with 30 each needles on each hand. So a total of 60 environmental um, irritants that create allergies uh, they tested me for. Now, I figured I was allergic to a few things because of the edema and, and, and what I was going through. And, and also, be not only edema, but I would be walking around and then all of a sudden I'd start to itch and my back and my hands and stuff would, mostly my back would swell up in huge hives. And when the, they, they left me for a few minutes and then they checked and the allergist, the doctor looked at me in, 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 in disbelief because I had tested positive to all 60 of the of the environmental irritants, I want to call them for lack of a better word, that they know of that they test for today that create allergies. 60. They sent me on to do blood work, and I think I came back. That was a lot of things too, but I only came back with four in terms of the blood work. So externally for me, whatever I breathe in, whatever touches my skin, there are 60 things in our environment today that would cause me great discomfort and threaten my life. I grew up as a kid in the Caribbean. Never had such allergies. The point I'm making is, in the desire to, 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 uh, to explore, in the desire to, for greed, all the things that we, that we see are done with, with our climate 
that we have polluted our environment in the name of the mighty dollar. I've created an imbalance in our air and in our environment and have, and have caused a disruption that is, that is impacting us in that manner. So right now, for the last year and a half, and still going, every week I go to the doctor in the evenings and I get two shots, two allergy shots. After the first year, they tested and they noticed that my, when they tested for allergies again, it had subdued a bit. And that's the whole goal of the injections, right? To get you to a point where your body has enough of it that it can ward off the, 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 the um, effects of it. But I'm not sure. I probably have to take injections for another year and a half, which would come up to about three years minimum. And... That kind of discomfort, especially when one of the one of the side effects is like like you know a week ago or when we had the smoke in in New York from Canada from the wildfires, immediately my breathing is erupt, my respiratory uh, system responds in a very negative way. Sometimes to the point where you, I get cold sweats, not out of just the heavy breathing, but fear, the fear that you feel that if this continues, you're going to stop breathing. You're not going to be able to breathe. Think about if someone was, I don't want to say drowning because that's such a hard, horrid way. Think about someone was choking you and you slowly, and as they squeeze, you have less and less ability to get ear in. That's how it felt. I can imagine how the people who died from COVID felt as their lungs filled, you know, got hardened and they couldn't breathe. And it gets to that point with allergies where, where I... Um, that's that's where I'm, I'm, I'm taking in deep breaths. That's a fear. It's a fear not only because of the reaction to what exists in this environment today, but the fact that because we have battles as to whether you know there's climate change or whether you know this company wants to forego the profits the way they make them to do something responsible in our environment, how much worse is that going to get, and how much is that going to affect me? And this is just me. When I go to the the, the allergist. The, the waiting room is full of people every single week I go. So there are a lot of people. And I'm not just talking adults. I see younger and younger kids coming in and getting allergy, allergy shots. You know, as kids, we grew up in the Caribbean especially. Let me tell you, I've never heard of allergy shots. Nobody got allergy shots. We, we grew up in an environment. It was breezy. The air was pure. There was, they, they, didn't, they didn't use pesticides in the air. You know, the farmers who got crops, whatever they lost, they lost. There was no, there's no pesticide. Everything is is inherently organic at that time. And so we didn't have an environment that, that, that provided those types of threats. So that's one fear that we have to live with. And that sort of segues into the next one, which is health, right? Growing up, we know people died and we didn't know sometimes why they died. But I still have to say that the cancers we are seeing today, especially cancers, Things like cancer and ALS, things that have become more dominant and Parkinson's and all these things that seem to be exasperated by things that we're breathing in and eating and, and living in become a fear. My health fear beyond my allergies is I do everything, exercise, try to eat right. You know, we plant a lot of our, you know, we don't buy greens from the grocery store anymore. We plant our kale, we plant our lettuce, especially now in the summer. And we plant our tomatoes. They're all organic, and 
Last year, we reaped so many tomatoes that we have not bought tomatoes for an entire year. We still have bags of, of especially the small cherry ones. I think we're on to like the last two bags. But while we're on to the last two bags from last summer, we're growing more. I try to do all this to eat healthy because I have young children. So my health fear is that if I don't do all this right, barring any other unforeseen circumstance, this is my responsibility to do to make sure that I can live the longest life I can as a good person, as a productive person, but as a responsible person so my children have a parent there at their times of need and to guide them. That is a fear. The financial fear. The financial fear comes from working hard, going to school, and then coming out of school, coming out of college. I've got two master's degrees and still struggling to get the income you deserve. Don't get me wrong. I make a good living. But there's nothing in you know compared to what it should be based on my education. And it certainly doesn't offset or even come close to being able to manage a household and student loans. So I bring in student loans because come September, what I'm talking about, a lot of people, 40-something million people will have this regurgitating or regurgitated fear of losing their homes, of not being able to pay their bills, for not, you know, provide for their families because they've got these looming big student loan debt above their heads and no way to pay it off, not because of laziness or irresponsibility, but because of the next thing, right? Which is either society doesn't have the jobs they need in, 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 the, in, 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 the, in the areas that they need it. That's a small factor, a smaller. But gender, because we know that there's a large percentage of women with education loans who continue, even though they've made breakthroughs, breakthroughs, many women are not getting paid what they should. And they're not getting salaries equal to a man's salary, even though they're there doing the job with the same determination, with the same um, a loyalty, with the same efficacy, and you know, with the same commitment. Then there is the, so there's the gender systemic problem. And then there's a racial systemic problem. The racial systemic problem now means that you've got 50-something percent of those 45 million people in student loans who are minorities who spent two, dollars $300,000 on education loans in a field that should make sure that when they come out of college, they are generally making, I want to make an average of, say, 150 and above, and they're working jobs, sixty dollars and $70,000. Not because they can't find a job, but they keep interviewing. They keep either not being selected or or mostly not being selected. Not being selected because of their gender, because of their race. Being Not being selected and, and someone else being chosen who has less qualifications, less ability to provide for that company, but they have one thing in their favor, the color of their skin. This is reality. Okay, if you can't deal with the fact and face the truth of, of systemic racism, this is the wrong podcast for you. I love having people here. I love having a discussion, but you can't be thin skinned and be part of 247 Real Talk because this is about the truth we live in. The days of lying to each other and lying to ourselves, is, is those days are over. So this is a problem where 
when you start to put those things together, right? The bills. And look, and, and when I say bills, it's not just student loans. I touched on that because we're going to talk more about that continuously as, as the deadline looms. But look at the cost of living. I mean, recently things have started to go down a bit, but we went through a long period where inflation had numbers, um, the cost of gas, uh, car gas, you know, uh, to drive, the cost of, I mean, I remember going to Costco and I would buy five dozen eggs at a time, the tray, five dozen eggs for $7.99. A few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I went, it was $18.99. Now, $7.99 to $18.99. Then another week I went and it was $13.99. I was rejoicing because it was $5 less. Only two weeks later or three weeks later to see it back at $18.99. And this is everything. I remember seeing, going and buying um, meat at Costco that was $21. And next time I went, it was $46 for the same thing. I mean, and this is just, nobody's income has jumped to double, right? So nobody's income has jumped 100%. But these prices have gone up, you know, 100%. They've, you know, they've doubled. And so when you're dealing with that, when you're dealing with the fact that we have to face the fact that the, 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 the prices are coming down, but not at the rate that would make our incomes sustainable. When we're dealing with the fact that we have children in our home where they need our, they're the age or they're the part, a place in their lives where they need our guidance daily in a desperate way and we have to make the choice of having a second job even if it's working from home and having to lock ourselves in an office where we isolate ourselves from the family and we say that we're doing this to make an income to be able to support that same that same family but in fact we're hurting that same family because that same family our children our spouses our parents need a balance They need us to be a part of the family life, the family dynamic. Earning money and paying all the bills is not a solution to a healthy family, not by itself. I've heard so many stories of kids growing up and resenting their fathers, resenting their fathers because their fathers are saying, well, I worked hard to provide for my family. And we, you know, as men, many times, you know, that is our primary thing. We don't want to see our, our families not have, you know, want clothes, need clothes, need shoes, need a whatever, at whatever level, food, you know, a break to go somewhere, to, to enjoy a movie, to go on vacation, whatever the case may be. We provide for that. And then the child says to you, but you were never there. And it hurts because I've seen friends of mine go through this. I remember about... Less than a year ago, someone telling me a detailed story about this. And, and, and this was the mother speaking to me. And she said her husband provides everything. They have a beautiful home. He owns the business. But every single doctor's appointment for their child growing up, she went to. Every single soccer game, baseball game, all the, 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 the sports that our kids try out as they're growing, she went to. He went to work. He was running his business. Every single year they went to vacations, Italy, Rome, here, there, wonderful. But it turns out that when the child became an adult, and I think he's 20-something now, 
What he missed the most was daddy time. He missed having time with his father that was family time. And I, I personally was in a, I've gone through a part of my life where I got caught in that trap too, where I was so focused on income that I was almost oblivious to my wife telling me, yes, that's great. You're a great provider, but that's not everything. And the easiest excuse is to say, well, I work hard to provide for the family. When I come home, I'm tired and this and that. And, and, you know, and it's easy to make that excuse because we are tired. But I've gone from tired to exhausted because the difference between tired and exhausted, that, that space between tired and exhausted, I dedicate to family life. To making sure that even though I feel like I just need to get off my, my feet and, and lie down for a second, no, I'm going to go spend time with my son. No, I'm going to go spend time with my daughter. No, I'm going to go look at something that probably makes no sense that they're showing me, but I'm going to show interest in it and, and, and I'm going to make them feel that they're present because what they need every single day is daddy. So we're living in an environment that you know we're supposed to call the greatest country in the world, yet so many people are living with this impending doom. And like we see, last but not least, what it's doing in politics. How the country is divided and how people are willing to kill and poison and, and do all sorts of heinous crimes against someone else who supports a different person in politics. And half the time they're willing to kill and go to jail and lose their lives over someone they have never met who doesn't know their name. And quite honestly, these political leaders... We don't care who you are. But we are willing to get so riled up, we're willing to, to lose our lives to our families because when you get locked up and you go to jail or you get killed, your family loses you. you you've, you've lost your, 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 your perspective on what's important in life over politics. And I got news for all of people, Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, the laws that are made a lot of the laws may impact your lives, and if they impact your lives, they impact millions, right? But a lot of things these politicians do and say that get you riled up and cause you to fight and lose friendship and lose family actually don't impact you at all. There's a few core things that you should be fighting for that will make a difference, a real difference, an impact in, in the quality of your life. We should be united as people, not on political ideology. But we allow these things, all these things I just mentioned, when we're dealing with the pressures of every day-to-day -day life, they make us angry. They make us violent. We need to start examining who we are and how we're living. We need to start examining what is important and what is not. For those of you like me who believe in Almighty God, we need to create better bonds with our Creator. We need to increase our faith. We need to follow the word that teaches us kindness and makes us understand that those of you who believe and those of us who believe, there's a way out of this through, through prayer and through kindness, through faith, through hope, through helping each other and living as we were designed to, as we were created to. And the results in my life has been is as I give, I receive. As I sow, I reap. Whatever you believe in, these things that I described are real. 
And if we don't come together united to make a change, we'll not only continue living in fear, but that fear will become our demise. This is the start of the conversation on fear, on mental health, on several of the aspects, and I'm sure there are many more out there. Join me in this conversation. Start sharing, start discussing. Let's find a way to make our lives better and step-by-step less fearful. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on this episode. I appreciate your support. I remind you, please share the podcast and please subscribe. What I do here, I do on my own. But the more people subscribe, eventually will allow this podcast to sustain itself and create opportunities to help each other in many ways. I look forward to doing that. I look forward to another episode next week. And I look forward and I thank you for your support that that empowers me, that encourages me to continue doing what I'm doing. Until next week, have a great weekend, great week ahead. Please take care of yourselves and each other.